There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the alt-hostful intro with Katie and Kyle. Hey. <laughs> hey. Wait, which one is who? Who's Matt? Who's Jonah? No, you're not Matt and Jonah. You're your own people. Oh, oh my God. What? You said that, not us. Yeah. <laughs> Have some self-respect, <laughs> God damn it. All right. You're Kyle Clark. You're Katie Levine. You don't need to be Matt or Jonah. Yeah. I don't no, Matt be. wouldn't have done no. it that way. I don't want to. Wait, be. what? Matt, nothing. Well, I am <laughs> buying a guitar right now, though. <laughs> oh my god! Is it left-handed? Of course. Is it a guitar you definitely don't need? He's gonna smash it. <laughs> All right, you're the Matt. There we go. So you must be the Jonah then. I guess she is the taller, beardier one of the two. Yes, that's true. <laughs> who, who doesn't like sports? <laughs> hey, you know, um, it's like a weird brain switch movie. <laughs> oh, that'd be. It'd be a weirdly lateral move. Like, it's not a... <laughs> it's a strange... Guy switches brain with other guy. <laughs> like, it's not really. We just go about continuing life. Like, eh, it's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> eh, I kind of like a lot of this music. I mean, I'm not left-handed, but I'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, you guys know Moshe Kasher? Mm-hmm. Yes. Been on At Midnight a bunch. Old comedy friend. Started a podcast called Hound Tall. Which is, uh, basically, they take a single topic and they figure out the mysteries of the universe based on that single topic. So it's like an hour-long chat, and he has a panel of comics, and um, they learn everything they can possibly learn about a thing in in just an hour. Yeah, so it's different topics every time. And then it's once a month, too. It's a monthly show. Mm -hmm. Are you producing that one? Yeah. I haven't been at any of the live ones. He he, he does them live at UCB. I haven't been at the live ones yet, because he did a bunch and then came to us wanting to put it out on Nerdist. But I listened to the first one, which is uh, all about harems with uh, Pete Holmes and Beth Stelling and Jillian Lauren, who wrote a book about uh, her life in a harem. Oh, yeah. Do you know, this actually, his podcast reminds me of um, the In Our Time with Melvin Bragg podcast that I always talk about. But. But more, but with uh, with where people have a sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, Melbourne Bag's podcast is great, but it's dense with information, and no one on it's particularly funny. Well, you mean that they're one just about the atom. They're just didn't laugh a minute. You they're just. Today on In Our Time with Melvin Bragg, we talk about the atom and how many different ways we can pass out what it means. And then it's like a bunch of, well, and then scholars come on. Uh, but this is, uh, picture that, but probably with dick jokes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. I'm sure that, you know, there's going to be a lot the whole time. So uh, that's on iTunes now or Nerdist.com. Yeah. This episode is Dax Shepard. Um, and uh, I've known Dax forever, ever and ever and ever. And uh, like back, he was a groundling. 
back in the old days, back when I was uh, tinkering around over there, when I realized, like, oh, I should just do stand up. Oh, really? <laughs> that when they'd say, hey, I'm starting a scene, and then you just uh, go, like, I have a gun, and everything's on fire, and this yeah. woman's having a baby. Uh, air- airline travel's weird. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Dex Shepard's promoting a movie called The Judge. It's in theaters today, October 10th. But such a sweet, hilarious guy. I adore Dex. And I'm so happy for his success. He's such a lovely man. And uh, I am very proud to present to you. Did you almost say that here comes The Judge this Friday? <laughs> 70s no. TV reference. You've, uh, you've been demoted. You're, <laughs> you're no longer... You're no longer interim Matt. (laughs) (laughs) He'd have liked that. Blank Patch would have laughed for sure. Yes, because it was a reference that took place before 95. (laughs) Here's Nerds Podcast number 582 with Dax Shepard. Now entering Nerdist.com. Oh, wake up, Dex. We're doing a podcast. What happened? Uh, I'm still Parenthood? No. What? Ellen, part- uh, what happened? Did you do Ellen today? I did Parenthood from 7 till 2, and then I did Ellen, and now I'm here. How was, how was Ellen? Hmm. That's, a, that's a high bar. It was really good. It was Shit. really good. I hope, I hope this goes as well in. As well in. I hope this goes as well in. Well, her eyes can't be rivaled. <laughs> They're really maybe the most iridescent. Things I've ever looked at. I just think she had really good vision, and no one can see that. I don't know. They have an eagle eye. It's probably all show no go. They probably suck as eyes, but God, are they gorgeous? They're just piercing. They really are. They're a they're a specific type of blue. It's just. Did you tell her how you feel? She'd want to know. I think it seems like something I would. I like to be really forthcoming with my compliments. Mm -hmm. How about are my eyes okay? They're really nice. Okay, good. They really are. Well, I mean, you know, which is a testament to hers that they look better than yours because yours do look very, very. <laughs> I have nice eyes, but they're not they, Ellen eyes. No, no, no. Well, who has Ellen's eyes? Just Ellen, I think. We hope, or whoever. Especially if she card. has like one of these uh, retinal scan devices, mm-hmm. and there's another set out there that are identical. This one of those, be. and someone's going to have to carve her eyes out to get into the vaults. Well, no. What we're s- suggesting is maybe there's another pair out there. Do you think there's an identical pair of Ellen eyes out there somewhere? I do. I don't know if that's well, how eyes what, work. What are we at? Seven billion people? Yeah, we're at roughly. So even if her eyes are one in a billion, yeah, there's <laughs> six other pair, right? But, and but no one just, even uses that compliment as a, as a superlative, one in a billion, because that's too much. You say one in a million. One in a million. So even if we went to the nth degree and said, you know what? We're going to give her the ultimate compliment. They're one in a billion. You're still looking at six. Well, points. I like that you went al- algebraic with the, with the nth degree, but I think if you factor in for inflation, it should be... Like one in a, in a trillion at this point. Would be the ultimate compliment. I think so. Yes, because the implication should be you're the only one on Earth. Exactly. Yeah. So One in a million. I mean, that's, that's Los Angeles. It's like, okay, so there's 12 other people here that are yes, just like me. Not very flattering. Mm-mm. No, to be one of 12. Yeah. Congratulations. You're on a baseball team. Hey, you're a 12th. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're a 12th yeah. of something. Yeah. Isn't oh, that great? Thanks. Hey, meet these 11 other dudes that have the exact same quality you do. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of you, so that's something. So you're almost special. And as long as you don't run in the same... Circles, you're liable. You'll to never seem need to see unique. each other. Yeah. Right. 
So we need to, we just need to like geo spread you guys so that you're not. And that's why we've brought you together, guys, uh, because <laughs> we're forming a super team and we want everyone to occupy a certain region, a specific region of the city. I think Ellen will be fine with this plan. That is the grotiest journal cover I have ever seen. This is if Chewbacca. indeed that is a journal cover. Oh, it just looks like a fly trap for bacteria. It's I gotta tell just, you something. It's a shag rug. This book, which you will sign because it's our guest book, uh-huh. Clive Barker just drew a dick in it. Come on. You had Clive great. in here? No, he went, we went to him. Oh. Clive just drew a dick, uh, which is great. There's a little guy, basically. I, I would have liked him to put the needles from Hellraiser coming out of that the shaft of that penis, if I had it my way. I think that the, emotionally they're there. <laughs> that's true. There's a there is a lot of subtext. You know what else, the pubic hair does look very jagged. Do you and know dangerous. why? Do you know why that's not there? Why? Because the dick didn't solve the puzzle box. <laughs> ah, but if the dick solves the puzzle box, boom. then time yeah. to play. Action. Let's all hope that the dick doesn't solve the puzzle box during coitus. No, that's not the right. <laughs> or good. is it? Because that that is pleasurable. Supposedly, this is a good. Book that you're going to be signing mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm very excited for you to sign. Well, with the exception of Clive, it also looks like the artwork is an obtainable goal. Well, this it, is Grant Morrison, really. so that's a, that's a tough one. He drew mm-hmm. a Batman in here, mm-hmm. and Jeff Bridges drew Jeff Bridges bowling. I'm gonna. I won't be copying Clive. I really the only thing I draw is something I invented in fifth grade called ball sack cowboys, and they're a ball sack and penis that look kind of like a horse, and okay. uh, you put a little cowboy on them. And All right, then, yeah. Those are the Ballsack Cowboys? One few, yeah, one of the few paintings I ever made was the March of the Ballsack Cowboys, and there was about 11 of them coming down the side of a desert scape, like a hill. So they're one in a 12. <laughs> yes, they were. They were. I rounded them up for this painting. <laughs> they only will be together in this painting. Just for this one time. It's a weird painting, too, when you start dating someone. They're kind of gone. Either you're moving in together or something, and then there's this painting of the March of the Ballsack Cowboys. You know that you did when you're 19. I think it's a litmus test. If the girl still decides that she will take her clothes off for you, then you then you should marry her. Yeah, which I did. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, in fact, I have. <laughs> so that worked out. But it's always like uh, my wife's very into cleaning out the house, you mm-hmm. know, particularly now because she's pregnant, so nothing is safe. You know, um, toothbrushes. Are we using these? Or do we need these? This, the, the front door handle. We need all of those things. Yeah, yeah. 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 You the, could throw the, some the, stuff they're away. They're essential, actually. Yeah, yeah. She is slashing prices on everything at the house. <laughs> everything, everything must, must go. go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so knowing that she's that type of gal, uh, yeah, she'll be going through a closet and she'll hold up the March the Balls at Cowboys <laughs> and say, why are we saving this? You know, Because it's unique. Yeah. Cause no, we, that's a baby. That's a baby. Don't yeah, throw it away. Because we have a girl, so it's not even like... The twelve-year-old boy version of me will eventually want that painting. Right? No one's going to want it. Um, I, you know, someday you could auction it off for charity, maybe. If I get infinitely bigger, yes, maybe <laughs> one day it'll it'll generate eleven hundred dollars for some needy needy children or something. And the Ballsack Cowboys ride into but town. I mean, I'd have to really save skyrocket because anything shy of Brad Pitt, no one's buying. I feel like there's a lot of room between. I think there's there, there's there's a lot of good steps between you and Brad Pitt. <laughs> Not for me. It's binary. Just, that's it. Either that's Brad it. Pitt. It's a or, zero or a yeah, one. Yeah, so exactly. he's the one, and you're the zero that's right abs, now. Absolutely. That's oh, right. There's a tough scale. There's stardom, and then there's everything else. And <laughs> there's, he's in that rarefied air. But you work all the time. You you're working on a show. You work you work tons. I I do work. I feel like I work pretty often. You work you know? a lot. Yeah. And I and I and I think. Did I? Were you in the Sunday Company with Andrea Savage? Is that how I met you? 
Or yeah, you, you were dating Andrew. I was dating Is Andrew. Is that private? No, no, not okay, at all. Good, good, good. This was like uh, I've I mean, divulged who I'm married to. So. Yeah, so it's so we're so now <laughs> I just broke that story. quid pro quo. <laughs> um, yeah, you were dating Andrea, and and we were not in together. She she had been in before me, oh, okay. but we were friends through that lengthy 2003. process. This was like 2003, I think. You're one of those guys that's good at that. I know. Dates I know two dates. Okay. I know 93. I graduated high school mm-hmm. and 2000 college. That's okay. it. If it didn't happen in those years. Then you don't know. I don't know. What year did you get married? Really don't know. Okay. I'm all well, last year, so okay. 13. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. But I won't know that in three years when you <laughs> so, ask me. Well, now there's a recording of it, so. I can always consult it. That and I journal. I, I, I journal every single morning, and I have for 10 years. So I, I we do, my wife's not very date-oriented either. So we'll go like, oh, I think we're coming up on seven years of dating. Right. When was it? Oh, it was a, 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 a Red Wings game. Right. When was that? And then I'll have to go in my journal and actually like go through 40 pages to find the day that we went. And, and then paper? we'll write it down and then both of us forget it two months Is later. Is it digital journal, pen and paper journal? Pen, pen and paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's, it's difficult to, there's no search function for that. There isn't for, yeah. Can't keyword Red search. Wings, Red Wings, Mm-mm. Kristen, which I'm sure I would have misspelled. <laughs> from having first met her it took me a while to master that whether it was a k or a c r y yeah I'm a, I'm a left-handed dyslexic so you should get a load of this journal did you ever see Cr- the crumb documentary oh of course yeah remember his older brother's cartoons kind of disseminated into this bizarre hieroglyphic writing it's the same thing mine's the big version of that now let me ask you. Well, and you know how Leonardo da Vinci had, he had like the mirror system, so in his journal you had to look at it backwards and upside down to read what he wrote. This yeah. was his thing. I don't even need that. <laughs> Nobody could possibly read my. So journal. in a way, you're better than da Vinci. I think is that the was the, the the short way to say it. He yeah, needed yeah. a mirror, <laughs> yes. and you didn't. Yours he was didn't need a mirror. Yeah, I just write so shitty that <laughs> you don't need any encoding. How long were you in Growlings? Um, for a long time because, um, well, I do know this. I, I lied to you just now. Cause I do know that I moved to it. LA in 96. Uh, I moved to Santa Barbara for a year in 95. Then in, in 96, I moved to LA and I immediately auditioned and, and got enrolled. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't in the Sunday company until I guess around 2002 or three. It takes that long. Yes. Compounded by the fact that I was, I had gotten into UCLA mm-hmm. right when I had um, been asked to go to the fourth level and I wasn't foolish enough to try to do those things at the same time. So right. I also took like a year off. I guess I pushed it. Uh, so it took me even longer than normal, which I think even if you're blowing through the program and you're a guy, it's like a four year thing. Right. Cause for it's, girls, it's quicker because it spots have to open up. That's exactly right. <laughs> and they don't open up. I've all been the time. told this, and I don't know if this is accurate. I mean, but this, this is what I was told that for every 3,000 people that enter mm-hmm. the first level there, four get into the Sunny Company. Jesus. Yeah, that's what I've been told. Well, that's not even like one in 12. It's not even close. No. No. But, uh, but yes, Andrea was just a bit ahead of me, and then. I met you through her. Yeah, which was a good group of people. You're a different person now, as I am a different person. But the guy I met then, you're, do you feel like you're much different? <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at the core, we always feel like ourselves. But when you met me, I was uh, I was what I refer to as Peter Hardwick, my fat, drunk brother. 
Okay, right. You were hanging on by a thread, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it was a thin, <laughs> a thin by thread. By the way, my, my, mine was only one strand thicker, I think, <laughs> at, at that time. But when I see you now and I see, like, optimism in your face, I go, oh, <laughs> good, good, good. Things really, they worked out. Andrea was very, Andrea, you know, I have to was give Was she Andrea, instrumental in that? She was, she had a lot to do, like, she was the one that said, you should go see a therapist. Right. Because... You have depression. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't. <laughs> I'm not saying quit drinking, but I'm saying there's a reason that you do it, and you should figure out what that is. Right. I was like, all right, fine. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> and then, you know, at a certain point, she was she was smart and saved herself. And at a certain point, was like, I can't deal with you anymore. And I'm like, but I, I quit drinking like two days before we broke up. And she was like, yeah, but I'm done. <laughs> Forty eight hours. And she was she was such a well adjusted, healthy person uh-huh. that she was right to do that and and it really helped me so she was very very helpful in That's my great. my recovery she's a very smart person so fucking smart and yeah. funny and and, yeah. and awesome sexy and um, yeah. yeah she was on uh, a house of lies the show my wife's on uh, right two seasons ago so i got to see her a little bit which was fun it's nice when all of i'm your- promoting my new project by the way which is you're I'm here Andrea? to talk. Yeah, I'm you... here to talk about Andrea's. Oh, sure, <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, where can we see Andrea? So, when is she yeah, out in she's theaters? She's around. She's uh, <laughs> she drops quite a while ago. <laughs> she drops. She drops years uh, ago now. She's on the streets now. Word on the streets. Yeah, but it was you know it's it's fun when um so she's someone I have this great fondness for, and then uh, I didn't even know she was on uh, the the show, and then uh, Kristen came home and was like, oh my god, there's the coolest girl is guest starring right now, this girl Andrea Savage, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I super know Andrea Savage. What do you mean you super know Andrea Savage? No, I mean we. Just... I mean I know her inside now. No, no, no. I mean, I mean we had sex. I mean, <laughs> I mean she is so oh good in bad. No, that's not that's what, what I mean. I'm, I'm the father of a child. Okay, this is not going well. None of these words are coming out right. <laughs> yeah, she's a. I feel like I've always had to. I, I always am attracted to super funny like girls who are super. You you spot that thing, and I assume the same thing happened to you with Kristen, where you when you when you start riffing and the other person is matching you and topping you, then you're yeah. like whoa, and then you get this crazy like brain boner. It's a different attraction. Yeah, yeah. She's one of the few comedians who I've um, memorized some of the things she said in stand-up, and I repeat, like Sarah Silverman, I know some of her things, and we all know Chris Rock things. But she she has that joke, uh, Andrea, that uh, you know uh, people always say to about little boys, like, "Oh, look at the oh, he's I a know flirt. this joke. He's yes. a, oh, look at him, he's flirting. He's you know, going to be a heartbreaker. Flirt. Yeah, he's going to be a heartbreaker. Look at him flirting." She goes, "No one really looks at a little baby girl and says, oh, she's a little cock." Look at this little little cock tease. She's going to be a little whore when she gets older. (laughs) It's so good. She's a little cock tease. I've always wanted to just call a little baby girl a cock tease and pray that everyone around has heard that (laughs) that bit. Do it when when you're around comedians and you'll be fine. But but when you take... When you take the comedy craft into uh, the real world, right? It, out, out to Sizzler, to the it's not. Yeah. It does not sizzle. Oh, how old is she? Oh, really? Eighteen months. Is she, what a little cock tease! How dare you? <laughs> the power Fried of Christ compels you. <laughs> and then they throw you out. 
Yeah, but it is. Uh, yeah, to have have that with someone is pretty. But did you did you quit drinking for good? You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. Well, okay, great. Me Thanks. too. You yeah. too. Oh God, yeah. When was, I, when was, ten, when, it was ten years in September. Boy, was, the, the words almost came out. When was you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> say it. Say it. When was you? Um, September first, two uh, nineteen ninety four. See, I'm so full of shit. I know all these dates. Ninety four. I'm was, sorry, two thousand four. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it was ten ten years this September. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm eleven years October eighth. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. God, you're ahead of me. I know. I'm uh, an I upperclassman. I don't know if I like that. But it's... <laughs> okay, I'll start drinking again and then start over and then oh, you'll be 10 you years for, ahead of me. For, I need that. I mean, I proved I could do it at you, this point. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's amazing how... <laughs> And what a weird coincidence that right around that time you started working a lot. I mean, what a crazy yeah. thing that that is. Well, for actually for me, it was more driven by the fact that, okay, so after eight years of auditioning and trying, I got to a point where I was doing what I had hoped to do, which is I had just done Without a Paddle. Then I did the Mike Judge movie, um, Idiocracy, mm-hmm. and then I was about to start Zathura. And um, this was like everything I dreamed of, and I was more miserable than I had ever been in my entire life. And I was like, something's majorly broken here. <laughs> Some, there's a variable in this equation that is, and, and it was that. It was drinking. So I, even if I had become wildly successful, I was not enjoying a lick of it, you know? And was that because of the, because the alcohol? Because I was a hardcore alcoholic and drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But those are just symptoms of a level of much larger Yeah, issues. yeah, of course. Yeah. And I don't think there's one single, uh, I mean, my dad was a recovering alcoholic, so clearly it's uh, genetically I have a disposition. Sure. But then also I was like, very severely dyslexic and thought I, w- I went to the um, special ed room every day for two hours. Like they come to the class and be like, okay, we're here for Dax and Pete. Somebody wake Pete up. And then we would <laughs> leave, you know, me and Pete who was visibly handicapped would leave the room and it was rough. <laughs> that was a rough <laughs> fucking five years, first grade through fifth grade. Well, then when I got a handle on it, then everything kind of changed but i think that core experience of everyone thinking i was stupid how did how did so how did they how do they train you to uh you know i doubt that what i was doing is even scientific i I can't imagine that the technique i was taught with is what they still do but in a nutshell we had these little um cards they were probably like eight inches long and you know four inches tall with a little magnetic strip on the bottom and it'd have a picture of a dog and it'd say dog and then I would fucking insert this thing into a machine and it would go dog (laughs) (laughs) and either I guess I eventually memorized every single word you know in its entirety because you don't ever learn to do things phonetically like you can't ever learn to I I will get stumped still writing the most inane word like I'll not there but let's say there and I'll go, oh, how do I spell there? And then I can't even tell you what two letters make that sound, T-H, you know. So, I, I get completely lo- I couldn't even begin. I can't. They go look it up. Well, I don't even know. I can't even take a stab at what the first letter is in a lot of words. So it's difficult to, to envision. It's just not there. In your- it's just not there. I can say the word. I know the word. I can, you know, talk about it and define it. I just, I don't know. Yet whatever's broken in my circuitry, I can't connect those sounds with those shapes. And then so when you're given a script... Well, I guess by the well, time now, you start yeah, it's you all like it rote, I guess, because now I read fine, and I also write professionally. Like it's it's weird. I, I've now gravitated, you know, to writing and reading 
quite often. So, you know, I don't know. I just, you, you get over it. You know, this was in that, um, that most recent Malcolm Gladwell book, the, 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 the Goliath book, you know, this one, this is the one I've not read yet. Yeah. Well, um, I won't be on record saying you should or shouldn't, but I will say this, there's a whole chapter about dyslexics in there. And, and what it basically says is if you're dyslexic, you're three times more likely to go to prison, but you're five times more likely to become a CEO of a company. So it, it becomes a thing that either really fucks you or is a great advantage. You know, if it's something you end up getting over, it then becomes a virtue. And I think that's certainly what happened with me. I, I remember thinking, oh, I want them to figure out the low side so you can genetically test if your kid has it. So I'll know ahead of time to be preemptively right. going down that road. So maybe you can start training them before they even realize that there's anything. Yes. Or do an amniocentesis and get rid of them. Right, right, know. right. If you now, know, <laughs> just throw them away. No, but, but and you're but, 10 times more likely to marry <laughs> Kristen Bell. It's right, 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 right. Infinitely more times. Well, cause I'm the only person married to her and I'm dyslexic. So you're a trillion times. So you're one in a, you, you literally get the trillion. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, having read that chapter and then uh, and really thinking more and more about it, I don't know that I wouldn't choose for my kid to be dyslexic. You know, I guess I would roll those dice and, and do a high risk. You know, if we make it through, it'll be really an asset. Do you already, is you, do you already have a child? You already I do. I ha and I have a second one on the way. Second one on the way. Yes. Very shortly, I'll have two. How old is the first child? A year and a half. Okay. That's a good spacing, I think. They'll be about two years apart. There's very clear pros and cons, which is we're going to be up to our neck in it for mm -hmm. a minute because the one still not potty trained, can't get dressed, you know, is really needs us nonstop. And there will be a second one that needs all those things, too. But then the, the huge advantage is they're going to be two years apart. They'll play together. They'll be friends. Right. So when we go places, it's, it won't be the mom and dad show 24 hours a day, which right. it currently is, you know. So that part, I think, makes it easier in the long run. But... Yeah, it'll be rough for probably a year. You must know Mike and Donna Furman, right? Do you know Mike? Do you know Donna? Mike no. Furman? You don't? No. no. Oh, okay. The Furmans? The Furmans. No. No, my buddy Mike Furman and his... Are they and in our line of work, UCB. show business? Well, yes. Yeah, so Donna Don is a writer and performer. She was UCB and Mike, oh, okay. was my, Mike was my writing and performing partner for a long time. But their kids are just a couple years apart. And, and he's like, yeah, it's great because they play together, but they also activate each other. Right. So like in the middle of the They're night, one will start going, catalyst. dad, dad. And the other one's like, dad, dad. You know, like <laughs> then they... Then they basically, uh, yeah, that's rough. And then also, there's this. There'll be a, the, the issue of the, the babies for the first year and a couple months are on a two nap schedule, but then they drop down to one nap. So we'll never have that break, right? So one right. will always be awake unless we drug one of the two, which we're open to. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. if it gets you a little more sleep, then it just puts you in a better headspace, and ultimately, in the wrong, it's better for them. It's it's downriver thinking, you know. It's really it's <laughs> forward thinking at its best. It's for the safety of the whole clan, really. So you don't okay. So if you so you worked today, today on Parenthood at seven a.m. and then you went and did Ellen, but you were probably up way earlier than that because of the the, the child. No, and uh, luckily for us. Well, not even lucky for us. I guess most babies sleep for about 12 hours at this age. Okay. And we don't like getting up at 630. That's a deal breaker for us. Mm -hmm. So we put the baby to bed later. You know, we put her to bed at 8, and then she wakes up around 730, 745. Wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so I was actually out of the house before she woke up. 
Did no, just to fuck with the baby? Did, were you like, wah? Like, yeah, I well, like, slammed every door in the house. Yeah, and then I went full throttle in my car out of yeah. the driveway. Yeah, show her what it's like. <laughs> just to screw Kristen over. If I gotta be up at this time, I think everyone should be up at this time. <laughs> we'll just just light everything behind you. Yeah, and we're just... supposed to be in this together. So yeah, you be miserable too. Yeah, yeah, but like we're we're very lucky that she wakes up pretty late. We're hoping to even make that you know more pronounced. If she could be waking up at noon, that's really the sweet spot. If you could get the if you could get the baby to sleep for seventeen hours a night, yes, and then you get five good hours, you feed her a couple times, and then put her to bed again. That is virtually what they sleep for a long time. So they do twelve at night, then they do two two hour naps. So you're really looking. You only got the the baby for eight hours. First of all, that's really fucking lazy. It is. It is. Um, second of all, that's not going to last. <laughs> no, but it's nice that you. It, it all ends in December. Yeah. It's all over in December. That's when number two comes. Is Kristen enjoying pregnancy, or is it like I cannot wait to get this this weird alien at life form? We both love it. She is the greatest pregnant lady. Like we only want two kids, but we want her to remain pregnant forever. Okay, there might be because she's high out of her mind on oxytocin. Like she gets a big mega dose of it. She is so giggly and fun to be around. And in fact, I will make jokes at night and they're just killing. She, oh, she yeah. and it's very misleading. I'll think I've stumbled upon gold like a like I have a ten. Right. And then I try it out at work the next day and it's nothing. And I realize, oh my audience is totally high. You have to get them all pregnant. It's like making work. it's like testing material on an audience on nitrous. Right. You know, you're not gonna get really good data that way. Or you just keep performing for people on nitrous and then call That's it another option. Call just it do the Burning Man circuit. What show did we do at our theater? What, what you and I? Yeah. Yeah we did stand it was a up couple, together. But it was a couple years it was just like about a year and a half ago right before your movie came out. Oh, well, there was that, but then you and I were also... Yes, yeah, so that was Doug Benson. That was Doug's show. Yes. Right. Interrupting something, probably. Yes. Right? Y- yeah. yeah. Who fucking knows? And then you and I also did, I, I believe, stand-up at the same time. So, oh, maybe at Largo. Probably at Largo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it was. Good old... That's one of the times I looked at you and I, I saw Hope and... Uh, and, and <laughs> <laughs> And I just thought, oh, this guy made it. Oh, God. So good. It's so well, you know, a fisherman always sees another fisherman at sea, they say. So, you know, I was on the lookout for it. Well, if they're both at sea and they have fishing rods, I mean, that's a pretty easy spot. It's a, it's a giveaway. And they're fishing into booze. It's and a total tell. Coming up with nothing. <laughs> yeah. If they look real greasy and bag, baggy under their eyes. I actually had to, I, ha- I reached out to someone today to try to tackle that there's... I, I get really uncomfortable when I see old pictures of myself. Like, I'm still not okay with it because I just look at it and I just go, ugh. And DirecTV, if you search for me on DirecTV... Which I do. this <laughs> Then you know this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a Peter Hardwick <laughs> picture comes up and it's really off-putting. And so I, was, I had to get someone to, like, please reach now, out Now, well, how did you pick the name Peter? I picked the name Peter because there was a guy, there was a, a guy or lady, I don't know. Someone was fucking with me on my Wikipedia page. Uh-huh. Which I was alerted to by someone on Twitter, okay. and also one of my family members who wanted to know if we had a secret brother named Peter that they were never told about. Okay. Someone kept adding this person, Peter Hardwick, into my life on the Wikipedia page. Really? And I would get it removed, and then that person... 
then then Peter would reemerge with another profession somewhere else in the in the bio, and so it was this fun game of cat and mouse. Yeah, and uh, this so, is of your own doing, by the way, because you have a tech savvy fan base, which is your problem. And now, I, 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 I appreciate I that about them. No, none of my fans go to Wikipedia, so <laughs> I don't have to deal with any of that. I don't even think there's anything on the Wikipedia page. There must be. I've not been to it since maybe seven years ago when I learned of Wikipedia. However, can you see if Dex, Dex has a has a Wikipedia page? Oh, of course, there's I, a Wikipedia I, page. I avoid it. this kind of stuff. No, you know, a, you were on. I saw you on something the other day. To, oh, you were on Bill Maher. Yes, about, I was on Bill Maher. Yeah, and you were talking about first of all, great fucking photo of me. <laughs> I, I, I apparently just ate a salt lick the night before. And you were in Newsies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. According to the hat. But I have, the, but I have you, the same hat. But you were on Bill Maher, and you, you said uh, I've repeated it a bunch of times since I saw you talking about it because you, you had a very poignant observation, which is what a tiny snapshot in time a tweet is, mm-hmm. and how it's like it's a fleeting thought quite often, and people don't even feel the way that they feel no. an hour later. And it's like I don't know why that didn't occur to me, but yeah. M- most of those tweets are reactions, not actions. It's not like they drafted it for a week and then no, and published and, and it. It's just, it's just they have the ability to express something when they're in, um, you know, when a, they're motivated, an to. apex emotional state. Yeah. And I mean, in a pre-internet era, you would get upset and then you'd have to walk it off, and then well, you'd go get a lined sheet of paper and a pen, and you'd mm-hmm. look up an address, and then you'd finally write this letter, and then you know now it's an hour or you'd, so later. You'd be tired halfway through and be like, "I'm not even mad anymore," but this is like, "I'm mad now, flick." Yes, and then off, and then you can't take it back. <laughs> that just reminded me of um, I had a brief stint as a host at uh, California Pizza Kitchen in Brentwood. Uh, which is probably the single worst place you can work because Brentwood is all rich people, yet CPK is a very pedestrian place, and, and they expect just, a level of service. Yeah, and- it's not just it's not just that they're rich people. They're a lot of like, well, I need to see the manager. It's a lot of those types well, of exactly people. entitled. They're entitled rich people. They are, and so I made a realization i basically it was a it was a bet that i was right which was i they would regularly come in and they'd go you know it's i can't believe you guys don't take reservations i mean this is insane i go yeah it's it's the policy uh it it, was it's it's insane and i go yeah i go you you realize that i neither or own this CPK, nor does CPK own CPK. Pepsi owns CPK. So you you would really need to take this up with Pepsi Cola. <laughs> and then they would be so mad that I was being snarky that they would say, what is your name? And I know that these lazy fuckers are never three hours later going to write a letter when they get home. So I would say, I'll write it down for you so you don't get the spelling wrong when you write the letter. And I would write Dak Shepard on a piece of paper <laughs> and hand it to him. And I probably did that a dozen times in three months. And I never got a call that was like, hey, we got a letter. Now like, they would just That threat it. is so fucking absent. I, give me your name. This is such bullshit. No one's ever writing a letter. You know you should have written down? You should have written down the name Keith Pepsi. Keith, yeah. Keith Pepsi Cola. I'm, I'm Keith Pepsi. My dad owns <laughs> Pepsi. And so you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. But if they had, uh, in that moment, the Twitter handle for... Then you, they would have. They would have. Because people just are too lazy to do it later. They would, they would have taken a picture of you standing where you were. I guess what I'm saying is Twitter tw- has given the lazy a voice. <laughs> That's really what it's given. Twitter has allowed lazy. entitled rich people to thrive in customer service environments. Like when I was a kid, I got a, um, I built car models. And one of the models 
um, was missing a full section of the plastic parts. And I was really bummed out by this. And my mom said, well, write a letter to whoever makes those. I forget the name of the company. Write a letter to them and say what happened and give them the like UPC code. And I actually did this. And I got in the mail like six models from Revel or whatever it was. You know. Oh, wow. And that's how it kind of worked. You, you took the time to do that. And they knew you were kind of sincere. If you tweet Revel, I fucking hate this thing. Where are my parts? They don't give a shit. Rightly so. Well, they might now because, you know. Well, if you have a bazillion followers, sure. Let's tweet at them now and be like, where's our fucking... I've used that a couple times and I've, <laughs> I've felt a little unethical about it. Like I, I, I blasted uh, my, my um, uh, prescription, online prescription provider, uh, prescription for medicine. And it's just the worst company in the world to deal with. And finally, I started tweeting about it. And then all of a sudden, I got a call with a special number. And I, of course, want to use the special number, but then I also feel like, well, everyone should have this special number. So it's a real ethical battle. No, just do it. Anyone else would use it. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Now I feel much better. Yeah. And we're talking about my health. Yeah, it's important. And the health of my family. The, you know, it's <laughs> the, the, uh, I feel like karma would want you to use that number. And then the other day, I, I, was, uh, I have gotten, I can't tell you how many times I'm uh, unsubscribed to Lincoln. I mean, I really can't tell you. It's LinkedIn? got it. LinkedIn. I can't even pronounce it. But it is. <laughs> it's impossible to unsubscribe. I get them nonstop. People I can't. I can't. I, I've, <laughs> I like the idea. What if it was like, I, I can't unsubscribe to Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. And you just thought $5 bills were invitations <laughs> yes. to join. I just keep getting these Every invitations. Every time I leave my house, someone's giving me one. But, uh, yeah. but I tweeted it, and then, then they said direct message us your email, and it'll be gone for good. And See, I, I should do that. I cannot stop getting the fucking LinkedIn invitations. Yeah. It's an unsubscribe button. I don't know why it doesn't work. I don't want to join LinkedIn. No, ever. I, I don't, don't even. I'm not so proud I'm on Twitter. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I need another. It's important these days. Yeah. You know, uh, a phone number I came across recently, and I'm just trying to get the stones to leave a message on it is, I got the Bill Murray 800 number. No. Where you call Bill Murray and you just say like, hey, will you, do you want to do this thing? And then he just decides. I had been told you have to basically pitch his lawyer and then his lawyer calls him. But you're, you, there's a number you can call? And yeah, there's an infamous 800 number. You're kidding. That's how the last guy got him to do this movie that just came out. Really? The, the St. Vincent? Yeah. Uh, that he's probably going to get an Oscar for. Yeah. You know, like he just he just said he would call him every couple of weeks and be like, hey, be in my movie. And finally, one day, Bill just called and goes, hey, it's Bill Murray. And he was like, Bleh. Yeah. If there were, uh, you know, if there's a single career to point to that you would want for me, it would be him. It would be just, Bill Murray's. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, weirdly, it's so hard for comedians to stay relevant. And I have theories on why that is, but, but Let's hear them. he's done the impossible. He is as relevant today when he acts as he ever was, you know. You know what it is about Bill Murray is that he doesn't ever feel like he's, he's the best kind of alpha personality mm -hmm. in the sense that he doesn't force you to, it's not like, like me. It just sort of feels like, he doesn't need you, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Sure. He just doesn't – he's very comfortable with himself, yeah. and he doesn't need you to like him. And he also just seem he just happens to make some of the most interesting comedy choices. Yeah. There was a really cool interview with uh, – he did on Letterman, I, I want to say three years ago maybe. And Letterman said uh, 
Bill, you recognize, right, that you created a comedic paradigm in the 80s that now every single person after you has imitated. Any one of these guys, and he just starts listing, you know, Will Ferrell, this person, this person. And Bill's like, you know, obviously not jumping at the opportunity to take that huge compliment. And he just was kind of nodding. And then Letterman goes, I mean, you realize how great you are, right? Like, how do you do it? And he goes, you know... If I can just slow down and breathe and be calm and have faith that it'll happen, it happens. It always happens. I just have to breathe and be calm. And I thought, that's outstanding fucking advice. Well, especially, because, with, especially with our brain types. Yeah. The times I've been best in movies is certainly when I am just very, very relaxed and I have a lot of faith in that if I listen, something great will happen when I respond, you know. But it's, I don't know why, just the way he said it, I was like, oh my God, that's all you really have to do, huh? Well, what is it that you think are the pitfalls the trappings? Of, of aging comics that make them not relevant? I think that so often the engine behind comedy is feeling like an outsider, being uncomfortable, um, that it's the trappings of success that they, that as soon as comedians get really comfortable and really widely accepted, that engine just runs out of gas. And I don't know if he's kept himself pretty uncomfortable. I think that's maybe part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but these, and you almost find, and I don't, I won't use any specific comedians, but you will find, I, I think, in a lot of popular comedians that they actually start doing more and more period piece comedies because it's almost like they got to go back to that time in their life when they remember being completely oh. on the outside. Who are you thinking of specifically? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just noticed like um, Will Ferrell, who I absolutely worship. There's no question. He's just amazing. All of a sudden, it's like there's there's Anchorman and then there's the basketball movie. And it's all going back to a period in his life where he was still observing these alphas that he was the victim of, you know, that whether they were a teacher or they were the hero newscaster or they're this or that. It's almost like that's where the memory, that's that's where the mining is to do. That's where it all is at, is back when they were still taking it on the chin regularly by the world. Right. And, you know, as should happen, they you have to deal with less and less and less and less the more success you get. And you just it, it, the world gets more and more comfortable. And you're not, you know, you don't have a chip on your shoulder. I th yeah, I, I, I think uh, I, I have a I have a theory that's somewhat related to that, which is that it's it's about hunger. Sure. It's about hunger for, and maybe it's hunger for attention, hunger for success, hunger for money, hunger for accomplishment, pussy. hunger for something, hunger for pussies. Yeah. Uh, Multiple pussies. Just as many pussies as you can be hungry for. <laughs> like, where is this an all you can eat pussy uh, bar? That's fantastic yeah. because. Baker's I, dozen of pussy. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I also have a theory that I, 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 this isn't based on a single kernel of intel. This is just me being a fan of Bill Murray and just letting my mind wander. He seems to also have a real commitment to getting himself in in uncomfortable situations or situations completely that someone his age wouldn't be having. You see videos. He'll pop up in people's apartments. He'll yeah. like party with teenagers for four yeah. days. He'll go on a bender with two strangers. Like I think his commitment to putting himself in these bizarre situations is somehow part of that recipe. It's never you can you always you have to keep asking questions and keep. Wanting to learn and, you know, uh, up until literally the day Joan Rivers died, she was still 
wanting to figure it out and hungry yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, looking yeah, for yeah, answers yeah. and trying to figure out how to stay relevant and figuring, you know, like looking. And yeah. it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like, yeah, I'm just gonna take a break for a while and then and then try to come back later. Yeah. It was like it never, ever, ever stopped. That one, that one seemed to me to be the unhealthy version of it. I mean, I love. First of all, I loved her, obviously, and uh, and I loved that documentary about her, and it made me really, 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 really love her. But it, she was very forthcoming and honest about that. That 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 her her, her insatiable desire for that level of status was mm-hmm. what kind of drove her, and that seems like a really um, a rough way to. To be on this ride forever, I don't know why, but Bill Murray doesn't strike me as having that. His is more no. like he's a genuine fucking weirdo, and he nurtures the weirdo side of him, and then it comes out in movies. Well, it's I think there's that, you know, I think maybe it's tied to having that faith where you know he'll just uh, I'll just walk down this road and mm-hmm. whatever happens it'll yeah. probably be fine yeah and you know he does he, he's my favorite comedian to do dramas because he's one of the few comedians that when he goes and does a drama he's not trying to snuff out bill murray it's no. like he is always still bill murray he's just bill murray has shitty fucking days and he has disappointment and he has all these things and so he just what I like is that he doesn't try to shove that under the rug. He doesn't try to do anything, and it doesn't feel like, you know, sometimes when comics or when comedy people flip over to do drama, they're like, this is going to be my Oscar moment. Yeah, it's, like you it's can rough. feel yeah, the it's tangible. <laughs> Please take me seriously. Yeah. You know, it's that was the Chevy Chase thing. Yes. Please take me seriously. I don't want to be. And with Bill Murray, it just sort of feels like. You know, I feel like doing this right now because why not? And yeah. I, and that seems fun, so I'll try that. And why not do this? You know, yeah. it's like the the ones that just do stuff because they they just are drawn to it and yeah. not for some result that they're trying to like some external result that they're trying to achieve. Yeah, those are I think those were the most interesting choices come from. Yeah, I think once he got on the Wes Anderson path, like this whole other thing kind of opened up. That was so fun to watch. And that's the that's the comforting thing about what we do is that it, you know, it's not like I mean, if you're a professional athlete, yeah, you get like maybe ten years if you're you know, super lucky. If you're super yeah, lucky, yeah. but you know, followed by thirty years of not being able to walk. Yeah, but yeah. we, <laughs> but we, and but, but what then, about that? you then, could have ten great talk show years, and, a, and then you can't walk, and then a four in ten chance of having permanent brain damage. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, but you know, the as comics, you can have a lot of different. Uh, phases of uh-huh. your comedy voice as you get older, which is which is kind of neat, you know. Oh yeah, big time. I mean, I've been on a TV show now. Will be six years this season. Jesus, yeah. Um, would have never set out to try to be on that show. Never thought of even pursuing that kind of thing. And then was in the right meeting on the right day, and someone said, "Would you want to do this?" And I read it, and it was good. And then all of a sudden, I'm in a quote drama for six years. You know. And again, yeah, some the kid in the groundlings would have never predicted like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to do that. So, yeah, it is cool that there's um, a lot of different avenues open to you. Certainly, um, you know, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is never going to do a broad comedy. No, but he should. That's not going to happen. He <laughs> you really think should. he should? I think he should try it. Okay. I think you should try it and, you know, spend six years preparing for the role. <laughs> right, right, and doing 100 years of stand-up and... <laughs> 
go through UCB and Growlings and he'll, Second he'll City. Yeah. He'll teach. He'll teach at all these places. And, yeah, open mic nights around the country. And then, and then ultimately, several years of podcasts. That's and, right. And then, and then let him go. And then he'll get at it. seventy five. <laughs> and then and it'll be the, the most inspired. Yeah, Bill Murray will cry with envy. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the Daniel Day Lewis track to me is yeah. I I don't. That's not my preferred track because it just sort of feels like you got a lot riding on that one thing, huh? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's great if you, you know, great, great for him. Yeah. And he's about the only person I can really take serious that does that, that uses that approach to doing things. You know, like Lassa Mohegans, I don't know, he lived in the woods for six months before they started filming. You I know? mean, I, listen. And he's the only person I'll grant that. <laughs> Anyone else would be like, come Because here's fuck what on. I kind of think about it. It's like, okay, so they never break character. Great, I get that. And I understand why it's more efficient on set to not have to get back into it. Great. Now, when you go home and your wife calls and you're acting like Bill the Butcher, I just feel like... <laughs> I just, uh, that's a hard level. That's, you know, it's, it doesn't seem super fair to everyone around you. <laughs> I don't mm. think that factors in. <laughs> I don't I'm either. It's guess. a very singular pursuit. Yeah. And, and by the way, if you agree to, if you agree to be in that person's life, yeah. you kind of got to know that's what you're signing point. up that for. That is a good point. And I mean, it's not, it's not like all of a sudden one day she's like, why won't you answer to the name Daniel? You know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, it, it's, that's that, true. That person probably, and and who knows what their relationship is like, but maybe there was a conversation of like, I'm going to get a little weird when I'm working. And yeah. it doesn't happen all the time, but just in these periods, just be cool with it. Yeah. Like, okay, that's their deal. You're you're right, actually. You're right. I have a very unpopular opinion uh, that, that mirrors that sentiment, which is I don't think that if you marry uh, a man who is seven foot tall, mm-hmm. And slam dunks basketballs while three other guys that are seven feet tall are pulling him down. Mm-hmm. And you have that level of testosterone and manliness. And you're also making $100 million a year. You can't be shocked when he also gets some ass on the road. I just don't think you're <laughs> entitled. To, you're, you're like you're dating a phenom who's hyper male. He's like the, uh, the embodiment of it physically. And we are all reaping the rewards of that. You just have to be a little more honest about what you're getting into. I think it's a little naive to go like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get this fucking gladiator eight hours a day. And then as soon as he takes his jersey off, he's just like my nerdy fucking neighbor that works at the bakery. Right. You don't get it all. No, I'm sorry. I, I guess that's true, but this I, is a rant I make, and this is where I leave you. Actually, <laughs> <clears throat> I was playing a dick disc jockey, and I got to like do some of, of my unpopular rants? rants. And but it's one that I honestly do think, like, like in all honesty, I'm married to a super beautiful actress who's an amazing singer, and she's super funny. She is one in a bazillion. Yeah, she's also an actress that goes away on sets for months at a time. There's a pretty, a much stronger likelihood that in my future something weird will happen with her and some other actor on a set in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and that's that's part of the whole smorgasbord. <laughs> You're that, okay with that? I'm not okay with it, but I'm not a dumb fuck. I know that there's a certain risk. It's a risk reward analysis, and I can't get all this awesomeness, which is this shining star who's right. attractive to everybody, right? And think that I have the same odds of having a perfectly flawless. Fidelity marriage. Well, that's probably why. What I'm saying is, I would work through that because I know <laughs> that that's that's part of the fucking deal, right? 
That's a very healthy attitude and one that I certainly wouldn't have. Right. Yeah, I know it's but that's why unpopular, it's but probably important for you to you know, stay it's keep, keep But if keep you're not gym. expecting that, if that's not in the realm of possibility for you, then all of a sudden you feel completely blindsided and then you're making a decision of like you're gonna ruin something amazing over something. I don't know. I, I just I, I here's another stance I have. Okay. Okay. It is men and women will stay with a spouse that has developed a gambling addiction that has actually lost them their job, lost them their house, lost the college funds, put them in a ditch where they're now living in a one-bedroom hotel. Mm -hmm. They'll stand by that spouse until they get help. They'll stand by an addict that drives their kids to school hammered and on drugs. They'll stick by that person. That's that's a behavior that's actually endangering the family. Now, if a man or a woman on a business trip to fucking Tokyo gets a blowjob... They will blow up the whole marriage. They'll walk right away. They'll take their whole family and leave over that. And I think that that's a real shortcoming in human thought. Did you get a blowjob in Tokyo? It was it was a hand job. Okay, okay, okay. But to be fair, they had painted a face on the hand. I thought for a moment it was a blowjob. So yes, I and mentally I was guilty of that. But I just, I, I think, my mouth. I do think it's crazy that someone would rather stay with someone that drives their kids drunk to school than someone who got a hand job in Tokyo. Well, ever <laughs> that's a weakness. That's a that's a human mental weakness. I, I guess it is. Or just don't get a hand job in Tokyo. Let me put it this way: If I had a choice between Kristen driving blackout drunk with my kids in the car. Or giving someone a hand job, I'd pick her giving a hand job. Really? Fuck yes. And anyone who doesn't is a piece of shit. Okay. You'd rather endanger your kids than deal with that. God damn it. You're starting to make I'm getting provocative. You're starting to make a compelling point. I'm looking for sound bites now. You're also just, you're also just, you're also just, just giving, burying myself. You've just, given, you've just given Kristen like two green lights. Yeah, yeah. Every interview I'll do so, from this day on will be about my willingness to ever give hand you're, jobs. You're, you're going to find this weird map hidden behind her clothes in the closet. It's like there's a green pin in Tennessee. See, because you already okayed that, mm-hmm. and then Tokyo. These are the safe zones, the global safe zones. <laughs> Anything that starts with a T is fine. Yeah. Trinidad, Tobago. Go. Get Can I go? Bucks. I'm gonna go one step further with okay, this. Can please. I? Because I've been dying to get this off my please, chest. Please, Here's another thing that really scares me on this issue: is we live in the era of Twitter and Facebook and all these this all this media. Mm-hmm. And now, if someone does something. They get caught. Everyone gets caught. There's just no way you're not getting caught. Right. And everyone gets exposed. General Petraeus has to step down. Right. Okay. Had there been all these things in the 60s, we really would have robbed ourselves of Martin Luther King. We would have robbed ourselves of John F. Kennedy. We would have robbed ourselves of Franklin D. Roosevelt. All these people with that had affairs that we now know about. It would have come out early. They would have been completely ostracized for good. And we would have had no civil rights leader. We would have had no great president. We would, We have put this... We're screwing ourselves by having this insane commitment to everyone's personal life being a certain way that we're going to rob ourselves of a lot of great people. Well, I don't know if... I, I wonder if back then it... I, I feel like... Um I don't know. I feel like back then they might If have... girls from the orgy with Martin Luther King that the CIA apparently taped, if they had some fucking selfies of that orgy and that went viral, let me tell you something. No one would be at his march. You don't think so? No. The Make a Dream speech would have been a bunch of right-wing people with signs. Don't you think it would have a bunch of dudes like, I'm pretty sure there's going to be an orgy here. <laughs> well, there was, that, that contingent may have I'm shown I'm pretty sure up. it's going to be a million-man orgy. 
But do you, you you don't see what I'm saying at all? I do I do I do see what you're saying that that we um... now everyone's living out loud. It's impossible not to. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and if you live out loud and you get caught, then you're gone. And I just think that's a super dangerous recipe for us. It started with Clinton, really. He was the first person that it became so quickly ever present. And they started impeachment proceedings. And it really tainted what was an amazing presidency. So th- we almost ruined that one. But but had that happened today, and it had it happened in the first month, which I'm sure there was shit going on in the first month, he would have been out right away. We would have missed out on him. Well, I, um, I, I think that we all have made this... Um uh, unspoken agreement with well or not so unspoken agreement when every time you sign up for a social network and you click agree yes <laughs> but ultimately having read none of the words in the disclaimer <laughs> who has time? Yeah, yeah yeah but uh but but ultimately yeah i mean all of our lives are on display and you know and and you see it people get convicted it's like oh well you committed a murder and then posted a picture on your facebook account like that's yeah. not your room like that's out, <laughs> right right that's right, out of right. the world but yeah i mean there's definitely um People are definitely more there's there's more witch hunting now because it's part of our nature to do that. Yes. And and yeah, well, also, it takes the eye off us. And also uh, it's everyone has a, a megaphone. And is, so you're in the same boat that I am, which is you you grew up in such a different time where uh, I mean I can't imagine if you to give them the twelve year old version. I don't know. What okay, okay, then, I, then I'm wrong. Yeah. But I grew up in a time where I, I can't imagine if you had given twelve year old Dak Shepard a camera by which he could have sent pictures of his penis to his girlfriend in seventh grade. I don't. Know I, if I don't I would have know. Done that. Well, I know one hundred percent. That's all I would have done. <laughs> I would have. I would. Have, I would have been blowing through batteries like you wouldn't have believed. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much I would have abused that technology. But, I, you know, there's so many awesome aspects to all this. And then there's also some, some, some very bad ones. It's and just where, very where, powerful. Where do you, you have who's, to use it responsibly. That's all. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an Uncle Ben. You know, it's a great power, great responsibility. We have, great, we have responsibility. Uh-huh. And, um, you know. So here's my one, my, one, my one complaint about Facebook. And I, and I should also say I'm not on it, so I don't, I'm not really entitled to have this opinion. But from what I've seen of Facebook, it, it appears to me that, this is the absolute end result of capitalism. By the way, I'm very pro-capitalism, but we have now actually made ourselves products. Like it's gone so far that we are now products, and that Facebook page is our advertisement. Of course, so it, is. it is the best shot from 300 shots at the party. It's as if we had a photo shoot for the macaroni and cheese, and it's the one time that it looked really gooey and right. awesome. So then we put that up, and then we also put up the time. You would think some people hang out with almost celebrities all the time because they have several photos of them in a celebrity. So must their life must consist of hanging with lots of celebrities and being at great parties and blah, blah, blah. And what troubles me or what I'm concerned about is so everyone has this very curated version of themselves, which is an advertisement. Right. And then you're on the outside. You already feel – I remember being a kid. You already feel like a fucking loser and that you're not doing what everyone else is doing. And now you can visually actually see <laughs> that, yes, in fact, I'm not doing any of this cool shit. But that's the part where I don't like that we've kind of become products and it's kind of bullshit. No one's life even resembles what their life appears – to be on Facebook. Well, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to do like uh, it'd be fun to start a social network that's like um, uh, <laughs> yeah, like the truth inverse dot Instagram. Com. Yeah, or like uh, well, the truth dot com. I think is the anti smoking campaign. Oh, okay. But uh, well, that'll end soon. But I mean, uh, <laughs> who smokes? <laughs> they'll fix that. They'll cure it. Yeah, and then, uh, but uh, uh, basically, like a you know, like an Instagram with a little negative sign in front of it. Yes, like a negative Instagram where 
It's, it's all a, the pictures of your worst moments. Well, it's the picture of your HPV after you hooked up with the super hot looking girl you were in a photo with on Facebook. That's it's, it's, <laughs> it's the after. It, it's, it's the uh, it's the Vine video of the doctor calling you into Planned Parenthood. It's the uh, it's every single it's it's the it's the Tuesday after you did ecstasy where you're suicidal. It's just it's, that's really funny. It's the it's the after the picture with the celebrity. It's the security guard dragging you away. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, because you were touching them in a. Or you got trampled by the three other people. Yeah, yeah, no, I, you know that is true, but but it also, uh, you know, all the people that look at that and but they're they're also focused on themselves, you know, like making. Well, that's very true. You're, you're probably more. You're so busy, yeah, we're, we're curating your own page that you're probably not even truly uh, 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 consuming anyone else's. So we're gonna take a picture from my Instagram, and then we're gonna look like we're having an amazing time. Right? Well, let me tell you this: I know from experience, you have to take about sixty pictures of me before you get one that I'll possibly <laughs> post on Twitter. I mean, you—it's—it's—it's it's, it's almost impossible to get a good photo of me. So I, I've been down this road. I speak from experience. I just don't feel like that's possible, Dex. In my head, it is. Now, how do you have a giant tattoo on your arm, but you're an actor? And did it ever? Did you ever say like? Well, someone's going to have to like hide this at some point. Well, this giant tattoo on my arm covers a previous giant tattoo on my arm that I got when I was 18 and had absolutely zero idea I was going to be an actor. So that was not the concern when I started getting tattoos. So it was a giant shoulder dick before? What was it? It was a humongous shoulder dick. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, now it's a gorgeous tree. It was the co- it's, a, it's a cherry blossom tree. But it was the cover of um, a Soul Side album, this punk band I liked. And it was uh, a sun with fire coming out. But... And I got this in 1993, the year I graduated high school. Okay, good. And um, then there was no such thing as tribal tattoos. Well, lo and behold, tribal tattoos got very popular on the Jersey Shore. And here I was stuck with a tribal tattoo. So I had to get rid of that. So sure. that's, that's where the cherry blossom tree comes from. But when I was first meeting with our show creator, Jason Kadams, to, to, to talk about being on Parenthood, I knew... Uh, wow, these things potentially go for seven years, and right. I do not want to go through an hour of makeup for seven years. And I said to him, I would really love to be on this show, but I just, I got, I got to have my own tattoos because I just can't bear the makeup for the next seven years. And he was like, oh, no problem. I like the tattoos. Fortunately, it was not the CPK logo. Which I'm sure you were very close to getting. I have that, but it's been covered as well. <laughs> with the Pepsi? <laughs> I had the Pepsi. I covered it with a co- Coca-Cola one. Because <laughs> they, be they bought another chain I loved. Yeah, you just got to be careful with branded tattoos. But I, uh, yeah, it, it, it is a real drag um, to be... It's to, a to, beautiful to, tattoo. To, yeah, you know. And uh, how often do you have your shirt off in movies? I mean, you do, but not not enough that you, you can typically cover it with wardrobe. Right. But I've had it in a few, which I I don't think really you should. I mean, it's clearly Dak Shepard if you see this tattoo, but at the same time, I don't know. I kind of, who cares? Is that know? the only one? Do you have any other tattoos? No, I have. Um, oh, nice. That, that's also from high school. Uh, this is two, two, uh, one week old. This is. It's a bell. It, yeah, as you can imagine why. Yep, yep. It's on my ring finger. Because you love the. Uh, Phil, you love my father, Philadelphia? He, yes, because my, my father was a metallurgist who made <laughs> bells for uh, towers. Because you love. Like I, I know because you love Saved by the Bell. Exactly. Favorite Zach show. Morris. Zach. Still trying to be him. Yeah. Wasn't that his name? The it was name? Zach Morris, yeah. And he's got two first names in real life. Mark Adam or something? No, no, Mark Paul Gosler. Oh, Mark Paul was where I got... But now he's got a Gosler attached? Well, he always to was Mark Paul Gosling. To, I don't think so. Emulate. I think he was Mark Adam. No, he pretty much was Mark Paul Gosler before Ryan Gosling. But if we watch the title sequence for Saved by the Bell, which we will when mm-hmm. this ends, yeah. 
Um, you believe that it says that full name? Mark Paul Gosseler. Yeah. God, I thought it just said Mark Paul. No. I guess I just zeroed in on that great name, Mark Paul. It almost sounds like a member of KISS. Two first names, yeah. Yeah, Peter Chris. Peter Chris and then and, Mark Paul. Yeah. But but uh, a, a good friend of mine, you might even know him. Do you know Ryan Hansen, that actor? I don't know. If I know. You've seen him. He was on Veronica Mars with Kristen. Don't tell me that. what I've seen. Okay, no, I probably have. <laughs> no, but the, the show I think you saw was where they played waiters in L.A. and a bunch of great comedians were on it. And I can't think of the name of it right Party now. Party Down? Party down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the cute blonde. Never kid heard of it. Party down. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> he apparently works out at a gym where Mark Paul Gosling. It's Gosler. God, God damn it, Guzzler. It's Mark not Paul Guzzler. Guzzler. That's a different. Well, he he that's works shaved, out. That's shaved by the bell. shaved by the bell. <laughs> he he works out at the same gym as him, and he said he is a fucking beast. He said he is just a brick shit house. Just ripped? Yeah, he looks amazing. You got amazing. some guns on there, Jack Shepard. It's all in preparation. And you just lifted your arm so I could see it flex a little more too. Is there a raccoon in that tree? You want to up and down? So, someone threw someone threw a baseball at my arm and just got lodged in there. It's, I've seen a lot. <laughs> so you had to put a baseball in the other I went to the that. doctor. I said, doctor, I have a lot of swelling right in these areas here in my... <laughs> Hectors in my <laughs> no, but I, I quit eating sugar uh, about seven months ago. I know you wanted to know about my diet. I, I do. That was on your list of yeah. laundry and list. Then, of, and then of, we'll talk of, about your poops. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on your laundry list of dream questions. I know it was up there. Uh, but I quit eating sugar about seven months ago, and lo and behold, it's way easier to be in shape without sugar. Yeah, yeah. I gotta give that shit up too. You know. What happened for me, we're getting into some shaking head, no signs. Um, that what happened for me is uh, we, as just kind of a weird challenge, Chris and I were like, let's try to go a month without sugar. So we went a month, and then that month ended while we were on vacation. And then I ate so much sugar for three days, and it ended with me on the airplane home. I had two Sundays. And it, like I finished the second Sunday, and I turned to Chris, and I was like, I can't fucking breathe. Like, I, I couldn't <laughs> breathe. I, I, it was... It was killing me that second Sunday, and I, I just made this connection in my head like, this shit's really poisonous for me. What if she meant no sex? We're not, no, there's not going to be any sugar. Well, I'd, I'd have to get a concubine. I think that's obvious. <laughs> just get, you just got to get one of them concubines. <laughs> yeah. It goes from, it goes from uh, yeah, total fidelity to I need Choke a harem. Yeah. <laughs> not I'm going to need one person or a <laughs> mistress. Entire, I'm going to need a concubine. An entire harem if that's what this game's going to be. Because that's how much sugar she's giving me. It would take a fleet of women. Good to, save. To, uh, yeah. I got to say, that was a, that was a <laughs> very sweet save. Really uh, tactful. Um, but the, maneuver. You, you, you must feel. I mean, I, there's no question that you must feel better. I feel way better. And in fact, um, a, a few weeks ago on my sister's birthday, so it was around August 20th, I took her and like I don't know, maybe six or seven other people to Houston's, which is my favorite restaurant. Do you ever eat there? I've been to Houston's. Oh God, I love it there. So we went there. All I don't know, eight eight total probably. And we ate like barbarians. I can't. I mean, we, we all of us ate so much food. And then, as a surprise, because they knew it was her birthday, they brought out every single dessert they sell was on this table. And that's probably the hardest challenge I've had in this last seven months. And I watched all of them eat all of these desserts. They looked fantastic. And then, the car ride home, people were suicidal. Everyone was miserable. My wife's stepmom threw up all night. I felt great that car ride home. Energized. 
virile, mm-hmm. very healthy. Right. And I had overeaten. It's just when you add sugar to the mix that you get like really suicidally it's same, uncomfortable. It's, it's the same kind of fun uh, voyeuristic pleasure of watching people deal with getting really drunk and then hungover. Yes, you and, really need to see them the next day. I mean, it's kind of. It, I I hate New Year's Eve, but I love it at the same time because it's kind of fun to look around and go. You are not going to feel <laughs> yes good at all tomorrow and well, I'm going to wake up at 9 at 8 a.m. and feel and be ready for breakfast. Well, I have the 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 unique um opportunity to see a lot of people very early in the morning in a makeup trailer, which I see <laughs> regularly, you know. Yeah. And I'll be on location of a movie and everyone's bonding at night and I'm jealous and everyone's getting hammered and then it's always that reality check at 6 a.m. when we're getting our makeup done and they're literally sewing their faces back together <laughs> in ice compresses and people are throwing up in the trash can just, it's just trying it's, to like let all the fluid it's out so messy and it's I, yeah I, I just shift my focus to like morning time which is i feel pretty darn good in the makeup but there's so many things that we i mean like pretty much everything that our culture pushes at us we're supposed to avoid sugar sodium yeah preservatives yeah. like literally everything we're not supposed to all the to money's eat. behind the shit yeah you don't really want to consume god damn it my analogy is like i left the house at 18 with 65 habits that have now taken me my whole life to break (laughs) i mean really i'm gonna turn 40 in january and i'm just finally getting back to where i was at probably 12 years old you know right with the exception of coffee which i just i can't foresee myself giving up well it's all right to have it's six right cups of coffee before you leave That's the house. Twelve throughout the day. Stressful for your heart, yeah. but you know my adrenal glands are in great shape. <laughs> There's a vein in your forehead. That's, uh... <laughs> well, you can check my keep an eye on my heart rate, which is always helpful. <laughs> But yeah, other than the caffeine, that's really all. But man, you just start packing on these habits, right? I mean, I started smoking at sixteen and drinking very heavily at eighteen, and it's fun to abuse yourself when you're young because it just feels fun. To yeah, it really like, is. I can take it. What do you got yeah, for me? Yeah, especially where I'm from in Michigan, it's really you know, um, it's it's kind of how you earn your colors. Like you know, I still will meet. I'll talk to people in in from England. And culturally, they still have a much different view of, 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 about drinking than we do, which of is course. they'll say, well, you know, why, why don't you drink? And I'll go, oh, well, you know, I, I drank. Well, it's a lot. Well, I don't know. I drink like t- 12 beers every night and maybe a couple Jack and Diets. I'm like, oh, I'd be real proud of that. Like that would be something you would actually feel very good about. Right. And, you know, culturally, that's in, uh, you know, M- Michigan's not too far off from that. You know? <laughs> Does Michigan have a royal family, too? Yes, they do. They do. It's a, you know who lives in Michigan, and I, I've seen him uh, once or twice when I've been home, is Chuck Woolery, <gasps> which is the greatest sighting you can have in Detroit. Because he he's the prince of Detroit. He, nope. I saw him at a, at a Coney Island, which is the, – they're everywhere in Detroit. They're chili dog restaurants, and they're everywhere. And I saw him at 2 in the morning at a, at a Coney Island in a, like a camel hair floor-length coat God. just holding court. And I said to Kristen – we should maybe move back and just go the Chuck Woolery route. You know? How did she Just parade around the Coney Islands at 2 in the morning or camel hair coats. When you Chuck and then you leave, do you say I'll see you in 2 and 2? I was so tempted to because I I loved that show as a kid. I mean, I really, really... I think I recorded it uh, with my VCR. But he's really the last of that that game show host archetype. Yeah, but he is, you know, he's he's the Brad Pitt of of Detroit. Still, 
Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that because um, he must be like seventy. He's yeah, but he looks phenomenal. Still? I mean, he is very, yeah. He is a work. walking Facebook page. Yeah, he doesn't need to, you know, wade through the. Do you have a lot of work, like teeth caps. A lot of work. You know I mean? No, I, did, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. It looked all very real and and Woolery. healthy. Yeah, he looks great. We got to get Woolery on the podcast at some point. That's great. You'll have to go to Detroit. I'll go to Detroit. I was just in Detroit. Where are you for yeah. what? I was I was on performing. On, I was on a comedy tour. Oh really? Yeah. What, where did you play? Do you remember the State Theater, or Fox? How big of a place was it? It was about ten thousand people. It was Holy like the shit. UAB, the bank. Oh wow! So it was like an arena. Katie, look it up. Who was who was on this tour with you? Um, Louis C.K. and Sarah Silverman and Holy um, shit balls. Bill Burr and oh, this uh, is a big thing. It was a big. It was a big fun tour. How many cities? Uh, twenty. There were it was nineteen or twenty cities total. I did f- like fourteen of fifteen of them. And how many shows in each city? Like one four? show in each city. Oh, only one. Yeah. So. Oh, the Palace in Auburn Hills. No, it wasn't it? I, I wasn't. We weren't at the exit sixty nine. That was last year. It was. This was like the UA, like the bank. Something something bank center. They were all outdoor amphitheaters. It wasn't. Uh, oh, it was outdoors. The, the, the Pistons did not play at a, at a venue that Dave Matthews at was Red playing. Rock. Yeah. We played <laughs> yeah. Red Rocks too. No. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. That must have been very cool. It was great. Was it? I went to high school in Denver, so it was oh, really a big deal for oh, me. Oh, that's a real coming home. It was really cool. <clears throat> and um, what kind of weather did you have that night? It was. Uh, I remember being. Mind if I nice. take my pants off while you tell me? <laughs> what are you slowly? <laughs> I say the, the was it nice out? <laughs> it was. Uh, um, just go to oddballfest.com, Katie, and then just was click. It that's possible. That's a city. That's where yeah, Kid, DT, Kid Rock. Yeah, lives. the DTE Energy Music Theater. I've not been there, but that's where Kid Rock lives. I th- I want to say Eminem even lives right out there too, Clarkson. That's probably where all your streets are named after miles. No, it's things. way beyond that. Way it's beyond about that. twenty miles north of. But you just they... said it then. I said what? Miles. Miles. Mm-hmm. I said it's where all their miles, and you're like, no, it's twenty miles beyond that. So but you're referring right to eight mile, mm-hmm. right? And twelve mile. There's a twelve mile. There is a 12-mile. It goes all the way to 14, and then 15-mile is then named Maple, uh, and then they start getting names. But if you were to to, to chart where they all live from 8-mile, it would be 38-mile or something. Well, that just went up. You just said 20, and now you just went to 38 miles. I did. You're right. It should have been 28. But I I actually really enjoyed uh, – I spent time in Ferndale. Yeah, very, very cool town. Um, right next to Royal Oak, you probably ate, right next ate, to Royal Oak, yeah, eight in Royal Oak, yeah. All, most of my friends from high school have since relocated to Ferndale or Royal Oak. It's good. It's uh, weather. It's like, like a pocket of. Uh, you're about, yeah. the, the, where, it's like this the, the Silver Lake of. Uh, it's about an inch Michigan. away from getting fucking cold there right now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. It usually, uh, as I recall, it was always um, Halloween. You you usually get some snow when you're trick or treating. No way. Oh yeah, it's not far. Yeah, so you really limited what you know. You can't. We didn't have the like the slutty movement, which is so nice out here. You, you had to bundle up. You know, right. girls weren't cocktail waitresses or whatever no, they go with now. Packed you know? tightly. Yes, for safety. Do we? Should we mention this is where I leave you at all? Sure. Let's talk, let's talk about that. You're in a movie called This Is Where I Leave You. Thank you for listening to the Thanks podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. It'd be amazing if we just ended it right there. Judging on whenever this comes out, which I don't When's know, this, this, this is a live this, stream. No, this it'll be out right. by then because it comes out tomorrow. But I have the Judge coming out October first. Oh, Do you know that movie? No. Oh, that's the movie with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert and Robert Downey Duvall. Duvall. Yeah, and, and Billy Bob 
October 10th, is this is where I leave you? No. That's, that's, oh, this, this, so out. this comes out on the day the judge comes out. So let's talk about the judge. No okay, one's, so no one's going to no go back in time to see This Is Where I Leave You. Great job, This Is Where I Leave You. Great Thank fucking you. cast. And yeah. then uh, what the, a hit. the judge. <laughs> the, <laughs> I mean, who would have thought, I like know. every Oscar. To, it, well, it was embarrassing for Kristen when we beat Frozen to become the <laughs> fifth biggest movie of all time. <laughs> the kids movie. <laughs> kids, kids are going crazy for This Is Where I Leave You. <laughs> Yeah, they can't get enough sexual innuendos from adult, Jane Fonda. An adult dramedy with, yeah. uh, with some of the best with Bateman. And, well, yeah. little kids love Bateman. They, they always have. They fucking love. They love because they relate to him. He's a kid at heart. Always. Yeah. They, and they loved. Uh, That's who you need to get in here, Bateman. You got to hear his. Um, I won't tell any of them out of school, but he'll tell them to you. His Ricky Schroeder stories and stuff are phenomenal. I mean, being on that show and then having his own show, it's just an incredible... It's almost... It's such a surreal to me... I can't really relate to being like, you know, famous as a kid. The Jason and Justine Power sibling duo was was, legendary. It was formidable. You fucking Family Ties and Hogan family. What a block. Right there. They owned that hour of TV. I mean, you know, their their father's balls should have been bronzed. (laughs) Speaking of this, in Colorado, did you have, in 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 the late 80s, the very popular Hardee's commercials where the guy would go, cha-ching. He was working at a register and he'd go, two quarter pounders, fries, and a drink, cha-ching. And he would do like karate and he'd yell, cha-ching. That sounds vaguely familiar. It was humongous on the East Coast. I'm not kidding. Like Dennis Rodman had shaved in his head in the uh, nine, 1990 Pistons. Cha-ching was shaved in his head. And on his fucking Jeep it said, cha-ching. The uh, the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, their team motto was Cha-Ching. So the most amazing. So I grew up very aware of Cha-Ching. So I'm talking with Seth, and uh, I don't know how on earth it gets on this topic, but um, somehow I learned that Seth Green was the fucking Cha-Ching guy. He, he was. Yes. Not only was he the Cha-Ching. His story is so phenomenal. Green was Cha-Ching. Seth Green was the redheaded cashier who did the karate and yelled Cha-Ching. I'm gonna text him Cha-Ching. And what's and see funny? What he says. What's so funny is that. He did this commercial when he was probably 15, okay? And he did it out here in California. There's no Hardys out here. He never saw it on a TV. He has no idea that this commercial he's done has become a cultural <laughs> phenomenon on the East Coast. He's un- completely unaware of it, right? So he gets called by the New Orleans Saints saying, oh, look there at him. Oh, isn't look at it awesome? Turn the volume up, Katie. Order here. That'll be... One double cheeseburger, ching. Large fries and a large soda, ching. Two kids' meals and two medium sodas, ching. One chicken sandwich, large fries and a vanilla milkshake, bada bing. That'll be sixty-two dollars and seventy-five cents. We're, we're, we're a little shy. Now, Seth's hair right there looks is, is like awesome. the Bellagio fountain. <laughs> <laughs> or a patchouli. What's the, the glass guy's name? Uh, not patchouli. Sounds like that, though. That blows all those famous glass. Oh, um, I don't know. I, I, it's just chuli, maybe. Chuli glass. And it looks exactly like, like his hair. that gorgeous. I ruined your great joke. No, and I want to formally apologize to you for putting your joke in a bear trap. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for your... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm fine. I don't care. Okay. So, but th- this isn't even the best part of the story. So, the, so, so here is Seth Green at whatever he is, 15 years old. He has no idea that Dennis Rodman has shaved in his head. Ching, <laughs> which he has made popular in this commercial. He gets a call from either Hardy's Corporate or the New Orleans Saints... And they're in some bowl game, and they want to fly him to New Orleans to go out on the field 
and yell cha-ching in, in front of the audience of 100,000 people. <laughs> this is all online, by the way. This is on YouTube. So the local New Orleans news channel does a story about the cha-ching guy coming to New Orleans to do this. So there's this great video online of Seth arriving in New Orleans. Everywhere he's walking on Bourbon Street, guys are going, cha-ching! <laughs> Fucking cha-ching! They're going insane. And he doesn't know any... He doesn't know. He's in a trench coat, because that's the phase he was in. Right. They're painting him to be this struggling actor in the news piece, even though he's on a network sitcom at the time. And then, sure enough, he walks out in front of this sold-out crowd at the, the New Orleans Saints, goes to the middle of the 50-yard the line, and yells cha-ching into a microphone and the whole place explodes. <laughs> and I said to him, I'm having the hardest time wrapping my mind around the fact that that's your real life experience. Like when you were 15, that actually happened where you went to an arena and you said two words and everyone went crazy. I, it's so you out of my that? realm. Of, Get that volume up. Ever since that ad started running in New Orleans this fall. Let's look at this. Oh. <laughs> look at him signing autographs. He's got a ponytail coming out of the side of that hat. He got the fucking key to New Orleans? Yes, they gave him the key to the city for saying, look at he has to do it on cue. Look at the trench coat. The trench coat's amazing. He said cha-ching, I said cha-chump. But Seth was starting to understand that something unusual was going on here. Then came the pre-game pep rally. Pre-game pep rally. Several wanted to hear, you guessed it. Chicken sandwich and a large soda by bing! So they fly this 17-year-old kid in VIP. Ching! Imagine Seth Green loose on the floor of the dome in front of oh, the oh, oh, yelling, chinging fans. Look how aggressive he's getting. It's so good. So what's it like to be Seth Green tonight? The spirit is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's funny, like watching his arc get Man, really into very it. Happy. I'm very well Think about it. he's on day five of yelling to Ching around New Orleans. Oh, is that? I that mean, that was... is the most incredible thing ever, isn't it? That... Did you get to know him as a human being on a movie set to find out that this was his childhood? He was also on Johnny Carson as like an eight-year-old with those Converse that went to your knees. I mean, he, by the way, like the sweetest guy in the world of anyone I've ever Seth. worked with in my life. I, I adore Seth the nicest Green. human ever, and he actually can now say "cha-ching" because yes. it, uh, his life has worked out in a great way. Yes, he, yeah, the good guys won with him. I mean, he, he, yeah, he's my favorite. So I think I assume you brought he's the story so up because it's uh, Robert Duvall's catchphrase in The Judge. That's exactly it. Oh, guilty. Cha-ching. Well, he doesn't even say guilty. He, he just says, hits, bangs the gavel. That's how he says guilty. You're, sorry, you're guilty. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that means you're guilty. <laughs> he would have said bada bing if you were innocent. <laughs> bada bing. Cha-ching. <laughs> One Duval story that is funny from that movie is, uh, you know, I was, I, was, I was doing my best to never acknowledge that I was sitting next to Tom, the consigliere from, from Godfather. Yeah, you can't. Or, 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 or Downey, who's also like, I idolized as a kid. 
Because I wouldn't be able to do my job correctly yeah, if I the was guy acknowledging from back to school. it. As I've been saying, the, the prick from Weird Science. I always <laughs> wanted to work with him. That's right. Um, you know, so I, I wasn't – I was just – whatever. I was trying to just do my job and really not acknowledge all that stuff. Well, there was a moment, though, because we're in a courtroom a ton, and I'm his lawyer. And uh, we're filming this scene, and I am in real life drinking a coffee, which I have accidentally left on the table of uh, the, the uh, our desk in the courtroom. And it is like an eight or nine minute take, and he has a ton of dialogue, and everyone's going oh, and going no, and going, no, and he's no, giving it no, his all. No, and then we no, cu- no. we cut, we cut, and the director comes no. over and he goes, "Well, that was unusable because no. of this." And he picks my coffee cup up and no. puts it on the ground, and I am so embarrassed that it's actually it gets immediately funny to me. And Duval, who actually loved me, like he he's such a sweetheart, and he really liked me. He goes. I put, the, put the fucking cup away! Fucking like he let out a put the fucking cup away that shut the world down for about four minutes. It How was. Do you do you take do you cop it's to so it? So embarrassing. Like- well, of course, there's there's nothing to hide. I clearly had my coffee cup on the table, and I my character is not drinking a Starbucks coffee. In Were you? Scene. <laughs> you, just pull, you just pull the director aside and be like, "I'll pay to cop it out. I'll pay. I'll pay to yeah, cop yeah. it out." Uh, what? Well, yeah. Which actually they can paint out for about five dollars nowadays, um, but it was no. I was almost weirdly grateful for it because it, it's it's it'll certainly be a memory I have for the rest of my life. I don't. <laughs> I I would have gotten like shaky voice. The fucking cup on the table. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've, uh, my wife's pregnant, and um, uh, I was. I'm, I'm not very smart. Very, uh, I tell you, I used to be in special ed. I don't. Uh, yeah, don't even ask what happened to Pete, whatever that other guy's name. I, he, he didn't make it. <laughs> anyway, I'm a big fan. So, uh, yeah, is this a good. bad time to ask for a <laughs> selfie? <laughs> I brought some, I brought some Apocalypse Now posters. Is that Could off you just the sign table a few now? Of them? Don't say to who yet, because I'm gonna put some of these on eBay. I'm gonna keep one, and then I'm gonna put the rest of them on eBay. Yeah, it wasn't until we uh, Toronto Film Festival was like last week, and and I went there. For, we opened the festival that movie and. Uh, it wasn't until I was sitting there at watching the movie, I was like, holy smokes, man. I am fucking in all these scenes I'm in with Duval and Downey. It's That's incredible. So crazy. It's crazy. I feel like Seth in New Orleans. Well, you and your kind of have the, you know, with her raising all the Veronica Mars money. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, these are weird things that are happening. And are like, you have this person to take this journey with. Wow. And the Frozen journey. Yeah. And all of it. Well, you know, it's funny is that the, the woman, this woman who's directing Parenthood right now, she and I were talking last night on set about, like, God, do you believe in God? And I was like, well, not really, this and that. And, and it, it, I will say what has been informative is, is to be around Kristen for the last seven years and to see how she lives her life and to see how generous she is and how positive she is and how available she is for every fucking cause and to see how much good vibe surrounds her and how much good luck and goodwill, like... It has opened my eyes to the fact that you really can kind of travel through life in any way you want. And I certainly was very pessimistic and, and, um, you know, fatalistic. And I got those exact results, you know, most of the time. And to see her approach to life and to witness it firsthand, it's really kind of um, some of it has trickled off on me. And I've almost attribute anything good that's happened to me as just like kind of consuming her superpower. It is, I mean, you know, with, with obvious exceptions, I mean, there are some things that are out of people's control. That yeah, yeah obviously. But a lot of times the, 
Well, not uh, most of the time, people are the architect of whatever the bridge is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that can be a shit bridge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or that can be a crystal bridge. You know, it's yeah. like whatever people create. And you, you see it a lot. You see micro versions of it on social media where people will say something shitty and then someone else will go, they'll react negatively. And then the first yeah. person will be like, what's your fucking problem? It's like, wow, you didn't even see. Yeah. Like, some, it's just like not even realizing that mm. we are so much responsible for. You know, a, a substantial percentage of the outcomes. Like you're the, right, the, the because if you, you respond with like benevolence and love, more often than not, that person's armor will kind of come off, and they'll they'll meet you halfway. Because my reaction on Twitter is to be like, "You're a fucking idiot," and let me tell you why. Here's why you're factually not correct. Here's a, I have a spreadsheet. You Kristen see will be way more positive and and, and generous that way. And, and yeah, her so she's able to and let it go. And you're right. That's a let it go. Not her song though. I know, but it's from I'm the movie. I'm not married to Adina. I know, but it's from the movie. It is from the movie. Yeah. yeah. She more says, and the do jo- you want to build fit, a snowman to it people? Fill, it filled. It fit, fit the joke. It really did. Like once the snowman, again, the snowman once, thing. Once again, I got that trusty God, bear trap out. Wow, I, I got to chew my leg off now in this bit. I was building this bit. But but yeah, it's been. There's been. It um it, it can't be this coincidental. Observing her life, for instance, we will be in Vegas. We will. We're not big gamblers, but we'll sit down to play blackjack. She'll win. No joke. I've seen her win over 20 hands in a row. Jesus. Yeah. And I'm just losing, losing, losing. Because I've decided when I sat down, well, I've got, I'm going to lose 500 is what I'm willing that's, to lose. That's, <laughs> you know, like, that's I got to so set funny. my limit. You go in with the I know this is not going to turn yeah, out yeah. well. Here's what I'm like, willing to lose for this This is my acceptable loss margin. Exactly. And then I just proceed to hand them that money. You know, a victory for me is it taking a couple hours for me to hand them that money. <laughs> and then she, conversely, will win 23 hands in a row, never increase her fucking bet. It gets maddening. I'm like, honey, you're on a streak. Pump your bet. This is bet management 101. You got to do. No, she's not trying it. She's not greedy. And then she just keeps winning. So seven years of witnessing this, it's beyond coincidental. There's something else is at work. I certainly don't know what it is, but, you know, something's happening. So what is it that you provide for her? The 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 null hypothesis to everything. She is, she, you know, when I, I've said before, when we meet someone on the street and they say hello, my very first thought is, what is this guy's angle? What does he want? Her first thought is, this guy might cure cancer. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, let's talk to this guy. He's liable to have a solution for cold vision. That's that's very nice. Yeah. You're- and so she's wrong and I'm wrong. <laughs> but when we get to that compromise in the middle, that's most often the actual right way to look at things, you know. So we, we are a very good counterbalance. So you have a bell tattooed on your marriage finger. Yes. Does she have a German Shepherd tattooed on her? She said she wants to get the outline of a German Shepherd probably on the inside of her finger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Or that or the guy holding the shepherd stick, even though it's not spelled that way. I'd be open to either. Or just your face. I also, and this was in front of other people, I suggested how about the outline of a polar bear because that's my uh, totem animal. Mm -hmm. To which someone said, you gave yourself that totem animal, I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) You picked the top of the carnivore food (laughs) chain. 
And I said, it, well, it, I had a lot of polar bear stuffed animals as a kid, and I really liked them. Yeah, I guess I did give myself that totem. <laughs> You're allowed to do so that. So who knows what, you know, maybe she'll get it. Maybe it'll be a German shepherd taking a nice walk with a polar bear. That's a lot of tattoo for a finger. It is. I guess the compromise would be I should have mentioned she has 18-inch long fingers. The, uh, that's the one thing this, people don't realize the, about They digitally take them out. <laughs> uh, trust me, though. Well, the, so, they're like the thumbs in uh, in uh, the, the Robin's book. Uh, Uma Thurma played her. Remember, she had gigantic thumbs. Oh yeah, movie. Uh, uh, another roadside attraction. Even no. cowgirls get the blues. Even cowgirls get the blues. Thank you. Nice job, Kyle. And it's Tom Robbins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so the judge comes out October twenty tenth. October October twenty tenth, mm-hmm. and Parenthood is. You know, it's just airing around the clock until, you know, whenever that stops. 13 episodes of that starting this month. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on everything. Thank you so much. I'm so happy and excited for you that uh, you also came out of the booze swamp. Yeah. Uh, to, Let's go get uh, a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. Yeah. We've uh, proven what we needed to prove. A month. We'd both be like 40 pounds overweight. <laughs> yeah. and I'd be kicked off everything. of parent. Yeah, yeah. I'd have no job yeah. left. I'd barely be able to do a podcast. I'd be negotiating three hours of supervised visits with my children. <laughs> <laughs> you and I somehow would both have mullet and like stringy mustaches <laughs> yeah. even in just somehow a i'd have all fake teeth all yeah. of a sudden hey dax check out my snakeskin visor <laughs> i'm sure glad we made this decision this is the best decision we have wait i'm starting to feel reality again quick give me the booze <laughs> oh, oh, reality God. seeping in yeah <laughs> once you go back down that path you can never let reality seep back in again my guy's driving up from huntington beach where is your guy coming from fuck man i don't even know <laughs> <laughs> what fuck it i'll drive <laughs> Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you for having me. You've been a delightful guest. Uh, I'm so glad you invited me. Yeah, thanks for doing it. Yeah, for I'm sure. Sorry it took- I'm going to do your TV show, too. Is this, a, is this a launching pad to do your TV do show? Do you want to do At Midnight? Of you course. should. You fucking crush At Midnight. Well, thank you. You oh. would crush. My mom loves it. Does she? Honest to God, my mom is She's obsessed. Single? Yeah. Uh, no, but she cheats. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> she want to go to Tokyo? That's where I got all these crazy opinions from. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you should do at midnight for sure. I would love to. It's that's done. Done. Right. Done. Fuck everything. Enjoy your See ya. Cha-ching! Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Murder on my mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus, explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law and Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.